This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. Congratulations on the promotion, or should that be condolences? Too often, businesses promote people to what's sarcastically called their level of incompetence. Leadership consultant Bill Treasurer says people newly promoted to leadership positions often discover that what they thought a leader's job would be and what it is are two different things. But Mr. Treasurer says it doesn't have to be that way. He's spent decades offering leadership training and with all of that experience has boiled it down to two words, or maybe many two words. He talks about those words in this Biz News Interviews podcast. Bill, what are we talking about here? Oh, Doug, so good to be with you and your listeners again. And I look forward to the time that we're going to spend together talking about leadership. So I recently penned a book. It's called Leadership Two Words at a Time, based on my experience working with thousands of leaders over time, a lot of it in leadership development programs and some of it in executive coaching. And what I have found, particularly in my coaching, is that leadership is hard and and we get subsumed by the responsibilities of leadership. And what we thought leadership was going to be and what we find it out to be when we move into the role and the honeymoon is over uh, can be disappointing. And a lot of leaders get weighed down. But if you're facing a tough situation, instead of getting weighed down by all the responsibilities of leadership, if you just focus on the two words that are right in front of you next, you'll probably do all right and you'll probably make some changes. Of course, the key is the different two words. And, and so what are those magic two words? There's a whole bunch, right? The uh, So let's start in the biggest umbrellas that we've got. The first is let's think about leadership fitness for a second. What does it mean to be fit to lead? I think that there's three different areas that you have to pay attention to as a leader to be successful. And the first is lead yourself, two words, lead yourself. That means having personal discipline. It means managing your time wisely. It means being self-aware. It means practicing self-care. It means learning how to prioritize. It means you being a productive person in the workforce. That is self-leadership. So that's sort of the part one of leadership fitness. The second is leading others. Two words, leading others. And leading others is not the same thing as leading yourself. It's not about your own productivity and your own sort of uh, knocking off items on a to-do list. It's about helping others be as successful as they can, cultivating trust, creating psychological safety, ensuring that you're giving proper feedback in a disciplined way, staying positive, all the things that you need to do to help others be successful. And then the third area of leadership fitness, which is why you do the first two areas, is leading work. You have to, here's two words, get results. And that pressure for results is never going to go away. So you've got to make sure that you're leading your bosses, that you are very attuned to what your goals are, the goals of the organization, the goals of your boss, and the strategic initiatives that you're moving forward. You got to make sure that you don't get intimidated by the idea of business and, in fact, develop two words, business-mindedness, so that you understand the levers of what make and lose money in a company and how you contribute to that. So you got to lead work. You got to get stuff done. So leading yourself, leading others, leading work, all beginning with two words to keep you fit to lead. 
Well, those are remarkable words, but a huge list of things. Do you find that new leaders are able to grasp it immediately? And if they cannot, what should they be doing first? Or yeah, it's a good. It's a good question, Doug. Right, because a new leader has a lot to think about. Um, I'm fortunate to work with somebody who moved into a CEO role. He transitioned into a CEO role in a company that's about $550 million, maybe bigger than that now. And imagine you're, you're taking the helm of a company like that, and there's like 2,000 employees, and you're just about 40 years old. You're kind of young, right? And this is clearly the most significant leadership role you've ever had. And he was getting all sorts of input from the board of directors. He was getting all sorts of input from the senior executives around him, including his former CEO father of the company. And he came to me for executive coaching and said, Bill, I'm getting well-intended advice. People are telling me what to do. I got so many things to think about, so many barometers and measures that I'm being measured against. Where do I start? And my response to him was, start by being a good person. Be a good human before you're a good leader. Develop character. Get very close to what your principles are, what you stand for, and what you stand against, and know what those things are. Make sure that you're polishing your conscience. Make sure that you're taking good care of yourself so that you can care well for others. So start first by being a good person and cultivating that so that you're not operating your leadership out of pettiness and ego. Bill, do you find that good leaders have to be good managers first? I think that it really helps. I, th I think it's probably the very rare leader that isn't disciplined about management before they're moving in to a leadership role. I think that you can be a very decent manager without being a leader, but I don't think it's possible to be a good leader without having competency in management. Because Really, if you think about it, I mean, sure, there's plenty of differences about leadership and management. And a lot of the universities cover those differences. And the, the most common way of saying it, and I think it was Warren Bennis who said it, is that managers do things right and leaders do the right things. And all of that may be true. That said, I think that leadership is management at scale. So if you can't be disciplined about goals, if you don't know how to set priorities, if you don't use your time well, if you don't know how to budget things, if you don't do things scheduling-wise to make sure everybody stays on uh, task against a deadline, well, how are you going to be a leader? Because you got to do those things at scale. So I think it absolutely helps to be a disciplined manager as the foundation of your leadership. Why do you suppose so many people seem to be promoted to the level just above their level of competency? <laughs> the old Peter principle that we rise to the level of our incompetence, right? I think that sometimes people get overpromoted because of the uh, lack of talent pool. I mean, and clearly this is happening right now in the workforce in a lot of places. And, and we, you know, it sounds kind of, in your face to say that, uh, but I'm working with a construction company right now up in New York, and they are thinly staffed. The talent pool is really hard right now. It's a really competitive uh, landscape right now to, to have employees come over to your company when there are other companies trying to entice them away. And so what happens is when we're thinly staffed, particularly in a project-based environment, then the, the young, newer project managers 
are having to be promoted to a level above them. On the one hand, for a little while, they're going to be incompetent. They're going to be over their heads. On the other hand, it's how you develop competency. It's, is Do you rise to the occasion? Do you seek the mentoring and coaching of people more experienced around you? Do you dig in and work hard to sort of swim into the level of competence that the job requires? So I think we put them there sometimes because of the realities of a thin talent pools. And, and sometimes I think it's probably ego that the person is overconfident, sells themselves really well, and then oversells themselves into a job that they're not competent to do. So how do you, uh, as the top leader, compensate for that? Uh, what do you look out for? What are the telltale signs of disaster waiting down the, down the road? Yeah. I think of something that I was taught by Patrick Decker. And Patrick is the company of a billion-dollar water company. Literally, their, their whole business is all about water. It's called Xylem. And he says that what he looks for is when he puts somebody into a new leadership role, do they grow? Or do they swell? Now, meaning, does their, do they say, all right, this is a first time for me. I know I'm in over my head, but I'm going to be very disciplined about reaching out to other people, finding out what their goals and priorities are, finding out how my organization might be able to contribute to theirs and help them, get some mentoring advice, some political coaching, too, about how to navigate the political realities here. Or do I move into that leadership role? And my ego starts to take over. I start to think, look at me. I'm in this role now. I've got a bigger salary. I've got a bigger parking space next to the uh, more big parking space that I really want someday. Do I start to like think it's all about me, leadership? That's what he looks for. If, if a leader starts to swell, their downfall isn't too far away. So, so do you get humble when you get in a leadership role and go on a listening tour and try to learn as much as you can or do you make it leadership about you because it's affirmation for you that what a great and special person you are because look how people are treating you so special now that you're in this leadership role. It's, it's one thing to hire a, a line person and make a mistake, but when you promote somebody into a leadership position when they might fail, you're almost gambling the company in some ways, aren't you? Yeah, it's clearly a risk and you have to really do your due, jil due, jil due diligence you know what i'm trying to say you've got to do your homework and whenever you put somebody now a lot of times you're doing it internally so you're you've worked with this person you've watched their growth you've seen them pay their dues and you can pretty well predict how they're going to operate in this bigger position from them that said sometimes you're wanting to change a culture so you might hire a person from the outside but a culture can reject that new person like a toxin if it's not done the right way. There's an assimilation process to bringing that person in and a due diligence process on your part to make sure that there's cultural compatibility with that person coming in at a senior level. It's really hard to integrate senior executive hires, and sometimes they may oversell themselves. And we may think that we're buying a bill of goods that we aren't when we place that big bet. And as you point out, because it's in a senior executive role, it can do more damage than if it's a line position if you get it wrong. Bill, what uh, got you interested in the leadership uh, aspects of management? Doug, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but because I was a sucky leader. <laughs> and I know that because my employees told me so. Well, at least one. One had courage to, to tell me. I was leading a, 
group of people in a project-based environment. And uh, one, of the, one of the people that I was responsible for came up to me after I lit into the team and give them some really hard feedback. And, and he pulled me aside afterward and said, hey man, I don't need this job that bad to be treated that poorly by anybody. I'll walk if you ever talk to us like that again. And I, and I got defensive and I'm like, I'm your boss. I'll talk to you anyway. But I, I thought about what he said and I realized that I had no idea who I was as a leader. And if I got down to it, I really didn't know how to lead. So I started reading books on leadership and management and organizational development. I got a little bit better. I got very interested in the topic and decided to put myself through graduate school. I credit that person some 35 years ago for giving me tough in your feet face feedback that gave me my career. So I started out being a bad leader and that's how I got interested in leadership to become set out to, if I couldn't become a good one, I could at least teach others how to do so. Bill, where can our uh, viewers and listeners get more information about you? So you can find me at couragebuilding.com or Giant Leap Consulting, like One Giant Leap for Mankind, giantleapconsulting.com. And of course, the regular social media stuff, uh, at Treasurer for Twitter. And then you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And you can also just email me at Treasurer at giantleapconsulting.com consulting.com. Doug, I've enjoyed talking to you today. Again, it's good to be back with you and hopefully we don't have to wait, you know, another pandemic before we get together again. Well, that's, that, that is indeed uh, the case, Bill. Well, well, a couple of quick other questions. And that Got is, it. what have you found different about leadership post pandemic compared to pre pandemic? We'll skip I, those two or three years in between. <laughs> right. I think that a uh, couple of things, um, one is that I think pretty much everybody in the workforce has a greater appreciation for the importance of balance. I think that we we were all on a crazy train in 2019 and before and never knew that we were on a crazy train until the crazy train stopped. And I think it's been a hard adjustment to figure out what is the right amount of, um, of work intensity that we should put into our lives and what and how do we amp up that appreciation for our home life and our non-work identities. And I think as it relates to leadership, I think it's partly remaining vigilant to watching your team and making sure that everybody is attended to and that you're not taking people for granted. Um, people, people need your time and attention. And even if it's virtually, even if you're having to lead more virtually now than you had signed up for, you have to, you can't just be operational all the time. You've got to sp spend time cultivating the relationship, building trust, creating psychological safety at the individual personalized level uh, as a way to build trust with people and to ease the efficiency of communication with you all. They need to know that you care about them, maybe more now than before. The other thing that's hard about leadership right now is the certain exceptionality. Back before COVID, when policies were in place, everybody had to abide by them. It was kind of easy, right? It was black and white. Here's the policy and, and that's it. Now, there, we do have to make accommodations for immune compromised people who might be at home or kids that are home more often or the life realities of a, uh, a workforce now that it's hybrid. And so we have to have certain degree of flexibility that we didn't have before. And we can't be rigid as leaders to when dealing with the life realities in this post-COVID moment. So those are a couple of things I think that, that might be different about leadership right now. 
And Bill, since you are a, a veteran of these uh, podcasts, you know the last question is always, what would you like to add that we haven't talked about? I would add that the importance of courage never goes away. That remember these two words. It's by the way, it's the in my book, leaders two, uh, Leadership Two Words at a Time. I dedicate the book to new leaders with the word be courageous, those two words. And then the last chapter, and it's only two pages long, is be courageous. So the book ends of the book. And that is important because we, when you're in a courageous moment, you are in discomfort. You're in discomfort when you have to lead change. You're in discomfort when you're leading a hybrid workforce. You are in discomfort when you are learning, progressing, growing, evolving, and changing things. And so the need to be courageous will be with you for your whole life, inside work and outside work. So my encouragement to you and all your listeners, and something I have to apply to myself on a daily basis, is be courageous. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.